Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today it's me, Jeff, and I'm here with Aaron and also a special guest, Ethan Quell, pro mountain bike racer and trail builder. Thanks for joining us today, Ethan. No problem, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So on this podcast, we want to talk a little bit about trail building and the types of stuff that you're working on, but I wanted to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. As you know, I've pretty much gone my whole life racing on two wheels ever since I was three years old. And uh, whether it be a little bit of BMX and motocross from five years old. And, and uh, I was nine, actually, a cool thing is I got to race in the, the Georgia Dome on those little KTM 50s. It was, oh, nice. it was so sick. <laughs> oh, my God, 60,000 fans, and you're like this nine-year-old kid. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, ladies. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, but no, uh, and then, so then I got into mountain biking around eight years old. And, um, that's kind of where it all started really. And, uh, I got into mountain biking and then, you know, raced cross country until I was about 16 years old. And that's when I trans, you know, found downhill. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, once you drink that Kool-Aid, you obviously don't go back. <laughs> Ski lifts are sweet. And, uh, so, you know, that year I kind of raced a few races, won the amateur series overall at snowshoe series, few other races here and there. And then when I was 17, I went really, I went hard into it and, you know, I was trying to qualify for both worlds, cross country and downhill. And, uh, I flatted on the last lap. I was leading, flatted on the last lap and, you know, I didn't make it in. And then, uh, with the downhill thing, it was blew a turn, ended up sixth. I think they took like the eighth place person. So, you know, a little, <laughs> a little, a little hurt on that one. Right. So, so anyway, so then later that year, uh, you know, I traveled, you know, the rest of the series racing the junior X, uh, national series, you know, I was on the podium, you know, pretty much consistently and, uh, but never, never really won one up until I showed up to nationals in 2008 and it was, it was an awesome, awesome venue. The track was sweet. It was a man's track. I mean, you, I mean, it was kind of, here I am, you know, I was like 17 years old and having, you know, everyone's there and it's just like, it's just an eye opener on how huge the event is and, um, so much fun. The track was awesome. And, uh, you know, I just dropped in and paced myself and then towards the bottom, I like, <laughs> I was seeing stars coming through the finish line. It was, it was pitiful because my hands were so clenched from trying to hold onto the bars the whole way down that I had to have someone else open my Gatorade because I still couldn't open up my hands wow. about a couple minutes later. <laughs> and, uh, so there I am sitting in the hot seat and my mom's like walking down and she's like beside one of my friends. She's like, does that mean he's in trouble? <laughs> and uh, then the last guy comes through. He's like, no, that means he just won. Wow. <laughs> and like, I was ecstatic and, and, uh, it was huge. It was really huge. And, uh, it's funny. Cause like the weekend before, uh, we all had a, a good time at a, a race and, uh, I think it was Wyndham or Planicule. And, uh, you know, us as kids, we ended, I decided to shave four finger old man around my head. So there I am, you know, up on the podium, this new national chant, right? And I'm like trying to put the jersey on over my hat. And <laughs> so I have to take the hat off in front of the entire crowd, you know, like two, 300 people or so. And everyone just like laughs, you know, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> but uh, it was a great time. So then after that, uh, everything it was pretty cool. Smooth sailing after that. It was a lot of fun times. You know, after that, I was going to shake off one of those high school breakups, you know, and so like, you know, my results weren't the greatest after that, you know, but Hey, I guess that's just how it happens sometimes, but yeah, it's super competitive. I'm sure at that level. Yeah, it's huge. Especially the mental game is huge. You know, that's what was really kind of the hard part, um, is being able to show up, you know, you're nine, 18, you know, years old, you're the fresh pro and you're supposed to be, 
you know, the next, uh, you know, best thing. And, you know, with your mental game not strong, you know, it's it's really tough going against those guys. I had a few, like, blimps of, you know, you know goodness and stuff. And, uh, and then, you know, about 2011 is when, you know, I finally – Finally, someone stepped up and helped me out with, like, you know, financial help and stuff like that and really, you know, gave me the chance that I've been wanting is to really just try to go after it, you know. So that year, you know, I trained all winter. I was in the gym almost every day. You know, I went from, like, 125, 130 pounds, like 155, 160 pounds in just a couple months, you know, and I was really going for it. And, like, the first couple races, you know, I raced a few early races, and I wasn't seeing the results, but it was just because I was getting used to my weight and I was getting back more and more into fitness than it was bulking. So then I started seeing it coming along and then uh, come massing up and I was on point. You know, I felt real good. I was on the pedals hard and, and it was good. And, um, and then last practice run coming down, I was trying this new line. I was trying to gap this root section, which had taken Nico out the year before. And yeah. uh, I came up a little short. And I guess I was so used to riding my little 80, you know, in the backyard. I was like, I guess I had my, thought I had my moto boot on. And I just put my foot down into between two roots and it just snapped my leg. Ooh. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, so then, you know, that was, it was weird, you know, broke it in three places, you know, rod, three screws, that whole ordeal. But I will say one thing, the ladies in the hospital, <laughs> oh my God, you know, they were gorgeous. I mean, there were so many mar- remarks, you know, cause I'm yeah. like looted out on all the good painkillers, right? <laughs> you know, and there's, you know, a couple stories with that one, but I guess that'll be on the next <laughs> one. So, so yeah, then it went into, you know, to the Nationals 2012, you know, same thing, back on point, you know, trained up real good, and uh, and I was feeling great on the bike, and it was my track, it was, felt great, it was a home track, you know, North Carolina, you know, everyone you've known for years is there, and, you know, pulling for the homeboy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I ended up, you know, I saved a little bit, you know, from qualifying, you know, I didn't triple out the woods and, and a few of the lines, and I came down fourth, and I was only nice. like four or five seconds off of Nico and Gwen it was sick felt great everyone was stoked yeah and uh, I was like I knew I could do it you know it kind of proved that I was back after my leg broke and um and then man come to race run it was it dried up a little bit I was still on spikes and I actually like slipped off this rock right before a momentum section lost all my momentum it's actually funny there's a the magazine I did, like the picture of me like riding, uh-huh. like that's me almost hitting the tree, <laughs> you know, like, so I'm like, great. I have a memory of when I screwed up. Right. And, uh, so then I got the bottom and I blew a turn and, uh, you know, I ended up ninth, which was good. You know, it was still a solid performance, you know, and you're against all the factory dudes. And, uh, so that was good. And it's kind of been, you know, more of a trials and tribulations for the past couple of years, you know, kind of, you know, how life is, you know, you get older and crap happens right so so and that and injuries and all this other stuff and trying to build this company you know i think that's where we're going to roll into is you know trying to build this trail company and uh and that's you know pretty much where i'm at in life now right so yeah you are still doing some racing as well but um a lot of your time sounds like it's being spent building trails so yeah how did how did you get into that and sort of make that transition yeah, actually, um, a lot of my time has been spent building trails. It's just great. A lot of private work, which I really enjoy. Building stuff for the kids and stuff like that is kind of more of the important thing because, you know, we didn't really have much of that growing up, as much as we like at least. But I transitioned into it. Um, actually, funny story, when I was kind of like living the college life without going to college, you know, I got to like, <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, it was great. You know, I basically couch surfed between Lee's and McCray, Brevard, App State, you know, just hanging out with friends. I was looking to go to school, you know, but I was trying to figure out the right school and 
obviously I went went to Kentucky, which why you know why would you go there for school? But well, I noticed that you're actually on their Wikipedia page. That's one of their like notable athletes. So. Oh, am I? Yeah, yeah. That's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, I don't know about notable, but hey, I'll take it. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I was like kind of couch surfing, and uh, uh, I was living with uh, Andrew Mueller and Moto Mike for you know a couple months, and they were building at Hawks Nest. And uh, you know, I could come out there and hang out. We'd ride bikes, and you know, we'd make a trail grill, and and just you know, and it was cool building trails. And I was like, man, this is cool, and. Uh, I was like, I want to do this. And then, so then rolling into next year, I was racing and I was at Snowshoe. And, um, you know, I got like second in the race or whatever, and I was stoked. But they're like, hey, we got a opening for hand crew on the trail crew. And I was like, but yeah, sign me up. And uh, so that was cool. That's kind of how it started. And, uh, and then throughout, I learned a lot of handwork and rock work, especially at Snowshoe. I mean, if anyone's been to Snowshoe, they know there's plenty of rock to be had there. And uh, so that was really cool. So then they were putting me on the machine at lunch each day leading up to their trip for Whistler. So I'm in there in the machine trying to learn. They're walking me through how to build the trail, like how to use borrow pitting techniques and like how to do, you know, rock armoring and do the piping and stuff like that. And, uh, and then they leave this 19-year-old kid in charge of this <laughs> whole mountain, <laughs> you know, while they're gone for a week in Whistler. And they're like, hey, just keep building this trail. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, the dang machine was like 13 and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. So it's just like this little kid, you know, <laughs> out there. It was the coolest thing ever. And then coming into that, you know, winter, when I came back home to Georgia, and that's when I built the trails that we all, you know, most people that ride around here know of is called Quill Hauler, which actually that was a cool story in itself. I mean, it was just one of those things where I did, you know, it was very new. I was very new to trail building. So, but I just wanted to give back, you know, to the kind of like more of the cycling community that's given me so much. And, and so I drove an hour each way for two weeks to build this trail. And I was building it, like, through the snow and stuff. Like, I showed wow. up, like, with, like, three or four different pairs of sweatpants on, like, three or four different jackets. <laughs> it's Georgia. You don't have, like, snow gear, right? Right. right. And uh, so, and then we built it, and, uh, and it was right before, you know, when we were talking about when I broke my leg. I mean, I literally left to go back to Snowshoe for work and then broke my leg. And then, But it was actually pretty cool because, you know, I came back home, and got to see the trail opening, and it was huge. It was the first Petapalooza, so, yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know, Quell Hauler is a trail at Blankets Creek, uh, which is a, a super popular trail here in Georgia. Um, I was actually just out there this past weekend and, you know, saw a bunch of people just, you know, having a great time on it. What I mean, how would you describe that trail? What, what type of trail is that? I would describe it as kind of a jump flow trail because it's got a line around everything but then there's options to actually hit some jumps um i mean there is those two tabletops that are in the middle of you know the trail but mm-hmm. other than that it's you know i mean you see i was just out there for petapalooza i mean you see kids out there catching air on you know little tiny bikes and um <laughs> and it's just six years down the road it still you know is like brings it home like you know like you went through all you know not all of that but i mean just an hour each way you know it's like to do this, you know, for them. And it's cool to see that it's still rewarding you in, in, in that way. So you, you're basically just learn on the fly how to operate 
like heavy machinery or, or what? I mean, do you have any like real certification or watch a YouTube video? (laughs) (laughs) Do they have those? They probably have those. There's YouTube videos for them now, right? (laughs) Because they probably ran into me, Joey's like me at the time that didn't know how to run machines. (laughs) So they came up with videos, but yeah, pretty much on the fly, you know, I mean, I had, I had been building trails in my backyard, you know, with my dad and jumps and stuff, you know, since I was three years old, you know, but really when I got into learning how, I mean, it was literally at snowshoe. I mean, a little bit with Andrew Mueller and Moto Mike and them. And, uh, it was really just with them starting the whole, oh, I want to do this, and then going to snowshoe, and then, you know, they ran, taught me how to run machines. Now, I mean, you can get certifications, but anyone can run a machine, right? right. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, so how, how do you think being a rider and being, you know, such a high-level rider helps you build trails that are, you know, a lot of fun to ride and, you know, really get people excited? I wouldn't necessarily say like high level, but you know, I can ride a bike, I guess, but, um, I can get, ah, you're being modest. Yeah. I can get down the hill. So yeah, I think it actually is, this, is one of the most important things that you could ever have in, a, in being a trail builder and being at a level where you can pretty much hit anything, you know, that you want, you know, um, which I'm not trying to be like cocky or nothing. It's just like, you know, I can hit pretty decent sized jumps and to know when it's true i've seen it (laughs) well at least we got someone that has proof so Uh, but uh so you know it's it's really a very important in that situation because you know if you don't know what that one percent rider is going to be able to do when they come in how are you going to build a trail for everybody you know like you may be able to build a trail that's kind of fun and stuff like that for like a green rider but it's kind of boring for you know, and not say anything bad about trails out there. It's just, you know, it's kind of boring. We all want to be able to ride the same trail and be able to find things for our own self. Cause you know, I look at trails as like kind of like a, it's like a, a painting, you know, that it's like got a trail on it, but you paint the actual art on the trail. You know, it's not, you're not just geared in towards the actual middle of the trail. It's okay. Well, I want to go, you know, pop up on this hillside or hit over these little rocks and stuff like that. Like you're, you're painting your own picture each time you go out and ride. It's not just riding on someone else's, you know, easel or whatever it is. I think that's what holds it though, isn't it? It's not the actual painting. (laughs) So do you, do you ever find it difficult to, maybe like tone it down. Do you ever find yourself building the trail and you're like, whoa, shit, that's like way too big. Like only 1% of people are going to be able to hit this. Yeah. All the time, <laughs> all the time. I have to like tone myself down a little bit because, you know, I want to build, you know, like when I have an opportunity on a good slope or hillside, you know, let's, let's do something cool. You know, like that's what I'm into, you know, like I'll build whatever the client wants and, uh, you know, and I can gear it towards that, you know, case in point, it's like probably the new trail at Alatoona, you know, they wanted to step up from what it was and well i asked for a e37 well an e50 was delivered so it's like twice the size of machine and i could get a lot done okay and they were like we want bigger jumps and we want to go faster i'm like okay i was like and i had built these cool things up in greensboro at another project and um these cool like i love these uh, like shark fin step down berms, you know, I don't, a lot of people out there probably don't know what those are, but it's just like a fall away. Like the, you know, as the berm has already turned you, it stops and then you like jump off of it right. and like land like as a step down. It's really cool. But I mean, you know, you can ride to the inside of it, you know, and then the rest of the jumps, I mean, everything's rollable, you know, and, but it was, I, I, I figured it was about time, you know, it's build for the people and, uh, <laughs> you know, and they were, I was like, I kept looking back at it and I was just like, man, this is sweet. And I was like, we can't, I can't not use this, you know, I can't not use this train, 
you know, to not bring a a legit jump trail to Georgia. You know, that's what everyone's been begging for. And, and we had the opportunity to do it, you know, MoFlo, you everybody can ride it and have fun. It's got a few jumps on it and you can learn how to, you know, pick your bike up and how to catch air and how to be comfortable in it. And then you can move over to that trail. Yeah. Right on. So when you're building the trail, how much sort of testing are you doing along the way? Like, are you at the point where you can just build something and know it's going to ride well, or are you constantly, you know, moving dirt around, you know, taking a little like half run at it and, you know, making adjustments that way? Well, that kind of goes back to, you know, the other point is, you know, it's very important to be the rider that can, you know, see it and kind of visualize it. You know, it's very important. It's, it's very important to have the eye. If you don't have the eye, you know, what I mean is like been been a lot of places, seen a lot of trails, see what went right, what felt good, what didn't, and then kind of putting that into your own building. And lately, I haven't, I've booked things where it's like the time crunch is, you know, short. And... um so I'm literally building these trails and they're getting finished by volunteers and they turn to be working out. All right. So, so yeah, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, I haven't really tested out many of my trails. The way I test them though is have you ever done the running technique? That's the way to do it. You mm-hmm. like take the G out, you run in the G out and see if like, and then you like throw a sweet whip, you know, like it was funny. <laughs> one of the, one of the, on this past, one of this past project at, uh, Alatuna, I was just like visualizing it and like checking it out, making sure my distance was right on the, there's like a 30 foot tabletop there. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we measured it. So just, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and then like the, the actual county guy, you know, that's out there and like overseeing the project, he was like looking at me and I came over the tabletop and just threw this nasty whip in my mind. It was sweet. <laughs> and, he, and, uh, and he looks over at me and he's like, I saw that. I'm like, I hope you did. Cause it was sick. <laughs> so is there, when you're building jumps, you know, obviously your skill set is to the point where you can, you kind of know what works like you were saying, but is there like any math that goes into it? Is there a formula, you know, like if jump is X feet tall, then you need, you know, this big of a gap and the landing has to be, you know, such and such. Yeah. This kind of goes back to, uh, you know, middle school and high school or that teaching lady was always trying to tell me geometry was important. <laughs> and I told her it wasn't, I was going to race bikes. <laughs> so luckily I've gotten to the point now where I can actually like, you know, do it that way. But yeah, there is mathematical equations. They're all in the, they're all in the Embo like, bike park books and you know you can any person that knows geometry can understand like you know speed plus this slope dis- equals this distance i think that's how it goes right <laughs> <laughs> i kind of just look at it like yeah it looks right and move on so right on well it seems to be working i mean all the trails of yours that i've ridden have been just awesome and you know flow exactly as you know as well as i could imagine them so we we talked earlier and you kind of alluded to this but um it sounds like a lot of your projects are for private individuals building jump trails and pump tracks and things on private land i didn't realize that there was really a market for that so yeah it'd be interesting to hear a little bit more about that how you find these people and sort of what that's all about yeah it comes back to racing um you know through racing i've met you know so many great people over the time over the years and develop relationships and sometimes it's not what you know it's who you know (laughs) and uh and i guess what it comes down to is that you know all these people get to go to these really nice bike parks they'll go to whistler or they'll go to you know colorado somewhere or they'll you know go to snowshoe or up north or something and then they come home and they don't have anything to ride like that and you know these are people like with a little change in their pocket and they're like well i want a little bit of bike park in my house at my house you know so i can come home from work and i can just get on my bike and 
go, you know, hit some jumps and that's kind of where it's at. And, and luckily, you know, like one job will lead to the next, like, you know, that's how you create work is a job will create work for you. And I really enjoy doing the private work more than bigger projects. I mean, you know, obviously there's probably more money in the bigger projects, but I'm more geared on toward the passion of having something for their kids to grow into. And, and just for them, I mean, you know, like now they have a little playground, you know, there's a, the Greensboro project was a really good situation, you know, throughout his entire life, he had grown up, you know, raced BMX and road bikes and stuff. But I mean, you know, when he had to take over a, such a big company, you know, at that point in time, it's hard. Like he gets to go to Whistler every now and then maybe, you know, like one time a year, you know? So it's like now this being, 10 minutes, you know, down the road from his work, you know, it's a lot easier. So, I mean, and, and he actually like came up and was like, dude, you just pretty much changed my kid's life, changed my life. You gave me something that, you know, I can actually enjoy, you know, and uh, that's, that's really what it's all worth. If life didn't cost money, then I would do it for free. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really cool to imagine. I mean, it's, it's crazy too, that there are enough people out there that have the money to spend on a, you know, having a trail professionally built, in their backyard. But then again, I mean, it sounds like some of the projects too are, you know, along the lines of the, the cost of like a really high end downhill bike, right? Oh yeah. You can get in some serious money when you bring in, you know, someone like me to build a trail. I mean, serious money, you know, <laughs> like not necessarily in my pocket, but you're spending a lot of money to have my crew on the ground and machines on the ground and, and the t- amount of time we're there. You know, there's a lot of costs that go into it that not a lot of, like, it's funny, like, I'll build these trails, like, Alatuna, when I built Alatuna, they're like, it's going to cost what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's just for me. And, um, you know, because, I mean, everything is done on volunteer, pretty much, and, and which yeah. is understandable, but, you know, not a lot of these people have been to bike parks and seen, like, the actual, what goes into the process of building these trails and making them, like, you go and see a trail at a bike park, you're like, oh, man, this looks sweet, but... You know, it didn't look like that when it was first getting built. It looked like a bomb went off, you know? <laughs> and so, I mean, coming back and doing all your back sloping and throwing the leaves and pine straw and the, you know, the, you know, the downslope and back slope and stuff like that and kind of narrowing it in and making it look like it's always been there. I mean, that takes a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah. You know, you've got to have a crew. Like, if you want a finished turnkey project, I mean, you're looking at, you know, pretty decent money. But, you know, just for me, you know, to come in and either you'll have volunteers come in and fix it or you have your kids come out and buff it out or you have all your friends to help, then that, you know, prices are always negotiable, you know, in that way. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask too. Is there a lot of maintenance on these types of trails after they're built? It uh, depends on how you want it built. With, you know, a lot of trails that have either outsloping or the, you know, all inslope to a certain drainage area, which is usually about three to four foot wide, depending on the amount of sediment that's rolling down the hill after a rain. But um, those tend to tend to take a little more maintenance because in that drain field area, um, you know, what will happen is what they call, uh, you have to go in and deberm it, which what happens is, is, you know, you're coming out of an inslope and then you're dropping to flat and you're going back into an inslope. So what happens is over time, like people either ride it wet or all that sediment will get into that drain area. And it's kind of hit or miss. Would you rather the trail to eddy on the outside or would you rather just come through and like kick a little bit of sand off the trail, you know? So, and then, but then you can get into piping trails and and stuff like that. That's, that's where like, you're going to get into like bike park status. Like, I mean, you have to do it there because of so much snow that you have to control all that water flow off the mountain. But also it's like, you know, a lot of people like to ride in the wet and it's hard to ride in the wet when the water drains across the trail. Mm -hmm. I mean, it still can be doable, but it's one of those things. But piping, you know, is, you know, you have, 
you know, bar pitting techniques, you have piping, which, you know, there's all sorts of names for it. I call it a sump hole or sediment hole or a lot of people call it a pond, you know. <laughs> so, because, I mean, sometimes they get pretty big. But the trail drains, you know, out of the berm. And so the rider is completely controlled to the exit of the berm and then into the next part of the trail. So you can inslope everything, which is the safer and, and, and most, you know, reliable at that point. And uh, it all drains into the hole. And um, over time, your set, it depends on how much sediment you're controlling, which sediment is in like dirt, you know, soil that you're controlling from the drain on the inside of the trail. And uh, what happens is, is that you have this hole when you, you know, you etch it in so it doesn't look like it's just a gnarly hole, you know. I mean, it does. I mean, it's an eyesore sometimes. I mean, you're like, God dang, look at that hole. <laughs> you can bury some bodies. I, I believe me, I've dug some holes, man. If you ever need anything, if you ever need one taken care of. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would never commit to that, but cough, cough. <laughs> but um, so, then, and then sediment will, you know, rise up to a certain level and usually you'll leave like two to three foot below the pipe to make sure that the sediment has somewhere to go, and that way the sediment's not covering the pipe. Right. Uh, because as soon as you cover the pipe, it's not going to drain, you know, and then all of a sudden the whole trail floods and you're in a problem. So that's why you need area for the, the new soil to come into the hole, fill up to a certain level, and then the water will always sit on top of this, the sediment and then will then rise to the pipe level and then, you know, roll out the backside of the pipe. And usually on the backside of your pipes, what I've seen a lot of some builders do, and actually it's a pretty cool thing, is on the exit of your pipe, you know, it depends on your percentage of drainage slope on the pipe but we can get into all te- technologically about it but it just works okay <laughs> but uh so then you know the, the pipe will kind of rise a little bit and then you'll do a, a borrow pitting technique you know to get a little bit more dirt but what that'll do is that instead of the water draining out the backside of the trail and eddying it which eddying is in like cuts you know like how like a river made it like or creek is made almost Mm -hmm. what that'll do is that'll control the water because it's a hole but it's filled in with you know organics and stuff so i mean over time it'll set a little bit but for most time it'll actually control the water a little bit on the backside, which is what you do when you're building the trail with out pipes and you're just doing the inslope to out slope to inslope uh, which is comes to a flat part, drains on the outside, but then you have a borrow pit on the outside of your trail so it doesn't erode, you know, out into the woods is and create a bad eyesore. So awesome. That's great detail. Um, so just quickly maybe talk about some general trail building trends. I know like you know, flow trails are really hot right now, but there's also Maybe a little bit of, I wouldn't necessarily call it a backlash, but maybe a little pushback from some people that prefer more chunky technical trails. Um, and you kind of people speak to trails being sanitized. So what, what, you know, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think about, you know, maybe the state of trail building in general right now? Yeah, you know, like, you know, all of us pretty much here, like the, the more technical you can get, single track is probably the most fun, anything that, you know, Make the pucker factor is what we like to call it, right? <laughs> and uh, but we all like that. It's just the hardest trail to build, and it takes you know if unless you're going to do it all by volunteer, it takes the most amount of money because of the amount of time it takes. It's all hand cuts. I mean, it's just. But that's the most fun trail, and I enjoy that better. I mean, I enjoy fall line trail. Don't be wrong. Like even though I'm the one that's sitting here talking about how to do sustainability and all this other stuff, I'm the one out riding the the fall line trails. As a, you know, the no no, right? <laughs> so I might have just had it on myself, but but um. It's getting good. You know, the trail building, the way it's going is good because it's getting more people into it, and that's what's needed. Because with us diehards that, you know, like to go to Athens and, you know, not just ride Trail Creek, but there's, you know, a 
homeless trail, I guess as you would call it. I've but, heard that. I need to check that out. Yeah. And it's, I've ridden a few spots of it. It's awesome. <laughs> it is so hard. And some section is just like, oh, but it's so sweet. But you know, the whole like imbaizing trails, you know, I can understand what people are saying, but I think what they need to understand is that we're doing this for a reason. We're trying to create sustain. We're trying to show these parks that we can put trails in and have it be sustainable and not erode because that's a lot of problems with, you know, the parks guys is that, well, when we put trails in and it's not sustainable, you know, then it's like, well, we can't have trails in here, you know, and then you get pushed out of a park and that you just lost all those miles of trails. Now people will probably still go poaching, but still, you know, then it makes us look bad, you know, and that's the thing is like, we need to look, we need to look as good as great as possible to the park so that way we can get more trails and uh you know i particularly love i mean who doesn't like catching air right i mean come on <laughs> well, did, i mean who didn't set up the little cinder blocks and the you know piece of right. wood when they were kids on their little training wheel bike and broke off the training wheels every time i mean who didn't do that right yeah. but the way it's getting into you know the whole sustainable trails and the machine bit trails and stuff like that i mean you get a lot more trail quicker and you can still but i like what i've you know i don't know if anyone you know that listen you know that's going to listen to this is ridden athens but you know the i like drive-by truckers out there i think that is way the trail building needs to go you know that's i got i was given the opportunity to kind of just do whatever i wanted i got to do my flag line i got to do everything i wanted to do i walked it out i walked the whole area and what i would call that is a hybrid trail and the reason why I call it hybrid is because it's not necessarily a flow trail and it's not necessarily a cross-country trail. But it is, I mean, it's mileage. It's 2.2 miles. I mean, it's not very long, but it's still longer than a normal, you know, like downhill flow trail. And what I mean in that is that it still has its, you know, roots and rocks and tight trees. That's, you know, that's one thing we lose by creating these highways of trails is, you know, we kind of get like, it's like it's like kind of watching TV. You're kind of just like, uh, this is sweet, you know. But this like, you know, kind of catches your attention every now and like you go through these little tight trees that your bars like almost clip, you know. And like with us with a lot wide bars, we're having to like wheelie and turn the you know handlebars through. And but then it's got like this section where it's just like eight like off camber, you know, turning rollers in a row, and it's just it's just out of nowhere. And then you drop right back into some roots or something like that. It's got its rocks up and overs i mean it's it's got a little bit of everything it's got it's like own little downhill kind of jump spot in it you know but there's a complete go around you know to people that want to just do the xc stuff so i mean i think that's the way things need to go because it'll keep everybody happy where you have the roots and rocks for everybody that's like oh yeah yeah sweet because what i did is i built most of the trail with an excavator but i would drive around sections and leave that and then we came in and hand cut it on our volunteer days, you know, as we're buffing out all the other trail, but we'd come in and hand cut a section. So that way it's like actual single track in the middle of this, you know, and the way we built it, I mean, now you go out there and it's actually like dwindled down. You know, I used a, I think it was like a, I forget what it was. It was a E27 or something like that, about a four foot wide, 4.1, you know, foot wide uh, blade. And, um, and so that's, I think that's where it's going and that's where it needs to go. I mean, my favorite trail is, whatever is you know the stupid technical like <laughs> what am i doing with my life type thing you know so well yeah i really like like that idea of the hybrid trail and i think yeah you gave a really great description for you know what that's about and hopefully other trail builders are you know kind of moving in that direction because it seems like the way to go so what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they're interested in having a trail built either privately or you know for for like a public project Right now, I've kind of just, you know, it's kind of just my name, you know, I'm still, you know, I've got all the insurance and everything that I need, you know, to cover everything, you know, but I guess I've just, 
as I was talking to you earlier, I've not got, I guess, too enough businessy with it. You know, I need to get, I need to get my name thought <laughs> need some up. Some business of, cards. Yeah, some business cards and an actual name, right? But I'm thinking more Arnold Palmer style. You know, I just say Ethan Quail, right? Yeah. Quail's Trails. Yeah. It's a powerful name. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you can either call me uh, on my phone, uh, leave me a message. I may not pick up if it's a number that I don't know, but it's seven seven zero nine zero six. 3875 or you can shoot me an email at ethan q e-t-h-a-n-q at comcast.net which is c-o-m-c-a-s-t dot net which is n-e-t just making sure you know hey some people man i've, I've talked to some people they're like how do you what you know you're walking through yeah, how to spell it comcast. all i'm like what is this <laughs> so or you can just you know holler at me at the races you know because i'll be at the enduros and down the races this year so yeah right on good luck with that so, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We had a lot of fun, and, yeah, hopefully we can get you on here again to talk about mountain bikes. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time, and uh, hopefully, I can't wait to listen to it. It'll be fun. Yeah, right on. <laughs> and if you're listening to this on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it and you want to see some photos, we'll post some photos of some of the trails uh, that Ethan's built over the years. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Peace. Sweet. Thanks. Thanks.